Please turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 6. We're in verse 5 this morning. Ephesians 6, verse 5. Let's pray together. Father, thanks so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, and thank you that we're created in your image. And part of that is that you have given us uh, the ability to work. And so, God, we ask that we could see work as worship, whatever we find in our hands, whatever tasks, whatever things that seem of great significance, but also those things that seem very menial. Would you meet us, Lord? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you set me aside and give me grace and strength in communicating your word? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Work is interesting, isn't it? I'm going to share with you probably my worst day at work. Have you ever had that day where everything just seems uh, to go wrong at work? Uh, I was waiting tables in Idaho, in Nampa, Idaho. I just got done with Bible college and school ministry and landed at a small Calvary Chapel there, and they were allowing me uh, to serve, and I worked at a fondue restaurant. Now, what in the world is a fine dine fondue restaurant doing in Nampa, Idaho? Like, have you ever been to Nampa, Idaho? Help me out here, okay? Anybody from Nampa, Idaho here? Uh, well, praise the Lord, right? So <laughs> you're not missing much. It's the sugar beet capital of, of the world. And here I am waiting tables and I was in training. This is not the worst day, but this was just in training. And part of the fondue experience is that they would have to cook their own meat on this electric grill. And a lot of people in Idaho didn't really care for that too much. Like, I'm paying all this money, and I have to cook my own meat. And so there was always that discussion that was, was, was happening. But my job during training was to, to make sure that they had their Cokes, you know, had their, had their sodas. So I was replenishing their sodas in the middle of their meal, and, and they're grilling uh, their, their meat on this hot... Uh, cooker. And here I am with this tray of sodas, and I spilled a whole tray, all six sodas, right onto this hot grill. And it was a terrible mess, right? Thankfully, I didn't lose my job. I stayed there for, for quite a while. So, so here's the worst day at work. So a lot of people come for their anniversaries, big anniversaries, 15 years, 25 years. And this, this couple's here for their anniversary dinner. And they've got a nice uh, table for two and the candlelight. And, and everything's going good. And we get to the dessert. Everybody loves the dessert because it's chocolate and you're dipping into chocolate. And I'm ready to put their fondue forks down in, in front of them. And for some reason, I trip. And I've got the fork. And I actually hit the lady in the breast with the fork. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, right? It was, it was so embarrassing, right? Like, it's embarrassing to tell this story, right? And they're red, and I'm red, and it was just so awkward uh, for the rest of the meal. I could tell they just wanted to get out of there as quick as they could. I wanted to go find a hole to hide in somewhere, right? But work brings out a lot of interesting things in us, doesn't it? And in this section of Scripture, as we've talked about marriage, as we've talked about parenting, and now we've talked about work. In those three settings, we really get a good understanding of who God is and who we are. If we want to really understand who God is, it's many times in the context of family and in the context of work. And also, if we want to get a glimpse of where our character is, take a look at who we are in the home and also who we are at work. We tend to have a negative perspective of work because of the fall. We know that work got harder because of Adam and Eve's sin. God said you're going to have to 
deal with weeds and deal with the curse that's resulted because of work. But work in and of itself is not bad. God gave work to Adam and Eve before the fall. So in a perfect world, there was work. God says, I want you to have dominion over all of this that I have have created. That was work. They were to tend the garden and take care of what the Lord had created. Do you know that heaven is going to involve some work? We're going to rule and reign with Christ. We don't know fully what that looks like, but he's going to have jobs for for us to do, and it's going to be amazingly uh, fulfilling. So, So work in and of itself is not bad, and also part of the fact that we're created to work is because we're created in God's image. God is a creator. That's work. You've been given the ability to create, to to work. And so hopefully we can see the ethic of work from God's perspective. The important spiritual dominoes in Ephesians, I hope you really remember this. The first is who you are in Christ, the first three chapters. That you're robed in Christ's righteousness through faith. You're saved by grace. You're seated with Christ in in the heavenlies. You're, You're accepted. That then motivates our walk. To have the same grace of God that that moves us to want to serve the Lord. And then we see, be filled with the Spirit. The paragraph leading into this section on marriage, leading into this section on parenting, and then upon work is be filled with the Holy Spirit. The only way that we can fulfill God's heart and desire inside of the, the work context is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Work provides an amazing opportunity to share who Jesus is. To share who Jesus is. It really is our mission field. Outside of our homes, we're going to spend the majority of our time at work. Now that can be really depressing or that can be really life-giving. There's a lot of people that live in Colorado Springs and there's a lot of people that aren't going to come inside of the door of a church without a believer being involved in their life showing them who Christ is in their actions, really caring for them. And God oftentimes will open up doors of opportunity to share Christ. And that's where people are reached. And I I want for you to realize that God has planted you strategically in the job that he wants you to be in. God's taken believers from all of the churches in Colorado Springs, and he's put us in the neighborhoods that we live in and the jobs that we have for the specific purpose of being able to to share Christ. And our time together this morning is that we're getting equipped. Every every Sunday, every time we gather, hopefully we're getting equipped from God's word to go out into that mission field. So being a missionary and doing ministry work is not just being full-time at a church, working at a church staff or or working at a Christian nonprofit, though that is, is ministry. But what if every believer worked in a Christian context, right? There would be no effective witness in Colorado Springs. There would be no effective witness throughout the world. Do you know that Paul was a tent maker? That's how he supported himself uh, financially. And through that tent making, he was able to reach people with with the love of Jesus Christ. So, So there's so much to work, and God gives us some simple but profound instructions for us in verse five. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. He's addressing bondservants in the church of Ephesus. The word bondservant, it literally means slave here in the Greek. He is addressing slaves. 
Kent Hughes in his commentary on Ephesians writes this, because nearly every household was affected or even dominated by master-slave relationships. It has been estimated that there were some 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire and that as many as one-third of the population of the large cities such as Rome, Corinth, and Ephesus were slaves. This letter is written to the church of Ephesus. A third of the population of Ephesus were slaves. The majority of every household had some type of master-slave relationship. And Paul, knowing the culture and knowing what's going on, he has to address this reality that is taking place. But God is not condoning slavery. God is not approving of slavery. It's not God's will that people were in, in slavery. He's saying, okay, this is your place. This is what you're in, and so this is how you should be able to operate inside of this. But I think it is God's will and desire that no one would be enslaved, amen? That God would be our master. So the application for us is, thankfully, we're not slaves. You may feel like a slave to your boss, but you can quit, right? You can walk away and go find another job. But the application for us is our, our bosses and the authority that God has given us at work. And The instruction to the slaves, the instruction to us as employees is be obedient to those masters according to the flesh. They're not your master in the Lord. They're the master according to the flesh, but be obedient to them. So if you're taking notes, an attitude or an attribute of work as worship is to be respectful. Respectfully obedient to the boss that the Lord has, has given you. God wants all of us living under authority. We talked about children being underneath the authority of of their parents, and here we're to be under the authority of our bosses. God has given them to you. Now, is there a point to be disobedient to your authority at work? Yes, if they're asking you to disobey God's word. That's where we hold to to God's word first. Are we in agreement on that, right? But a lot of times, the boss is not asking us to disobey God's word. They're asking us to go against our personal preference, And sometimes we may even be right. You know a better way to do something. And you bring it to the boss, and your boss listens and says, well, thanks for sharing, but we're still doing it my way. How do you respond? Great. My job's here to serve you. Where we're going to do it your way, that's the end of discussion. I'm not going to bring it up again. And then when their plan falls apart, you don't go to them and say, hey, I told you so. I kind of gave you warning on this, right? And it's important in our attitude and our hearts and minds to say, I want to serve them respectfully. And the key to this is as to Christ at the end of verse 5. The ESV version says, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with sincerity of heart as you would Christ. So the reason that there's fear and trembling is not because you're afraid of your boss. That's not the application here. The fear and trembling is I fear God. I'm in awe of who God is. I have an awe-filled respect for God. I'm so touched by the grace of God in my life that he forgives me and has accepted me. I want to serve God in a very practical, daily way, and so that's going to reflect my attitude towards my boss. A proper attitude towards your boss is expressing worship to Christ. So it really doesn't have anything to do with the boss right? I'm sure that some of these slaves had some masters that were 
godly people that treated them with respect, but some probably didn't. But yet their job and their responsibility was to, to still be respectful in the way that they, they treated them. And what's the bigger mission? Remember, what's the bigger mission in all of this? It's to share the gospel, to share the testimony of Jesus Christ, and through being respectful to a boss, then hopefully that's communicating the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. So let's do the hard work right now, the heart work. What's your attitude towards your boss that God has placed in your life? Is it, is it a respectful one? The second attribute of work that we see in verse 5 is sincerity of heart. So we want our work to be done sincerely. Sincerely. The word sincerely speaks of singleness of mind and purpose. It's really having your heart inside of your work. I want us to think of a, a work in the terms of if we go to a place for work and receive a paycheck, but also all work that God has given us to do. There's, there's some work that God has given us to do that we don't get paid to do. That moms, if you're a, a stay-at-home mom, right? And even if you're, you're not a, a stay-at-home mom, do you get paid for what you do as a mom? We couldn't pay you enough, right? You, you don't get vacation days. You don't get a review and get a raise. But there's so much work involved, involved in that. Dads, do you do work in the, in the home? I hope so, right? We do. We do work inside of, of the home. And God wants our heart to be in our work so that it can be pleasing to the Lord. And sometimes that happens. When I'm, I'm doing the dishes, there's a heart of gratitude in, inside of me. I'm thankful that God's provided for us. I'm thankful that we have a dishwasher, right? <laughs> Amber and I's first house didn't, and we washed the the dishes by hand, and now with four kids, I couldn't imagine not having a dishwasher. That was one of the greatest inventions in the history of the world, right? <laughs> we, ha we have a dishwasher, and I'm thankful, and I, I'm just wanting to praise the Lord and practice His presence in, in those moments, but there's a lot of times when I'm doing the dishes where I don't have that sincerity of heart, right? I'm unhappy about the fact that I'm doing the dishes, and some other member of the family's not doing the dishes, and who decided to have an over-easy egg and leave their yolk all over this plate, right? If they would have rinsed their plate right after they ate, this would not be so much hard work, right? And there goes that sincerity of heart, that, that singleness of heart and, and doing my work un, unto to the Lord. And so every time we have a task, something that is in our hand to do, we can do it unto the Lord. This, this is no joke, but it seems like every summer I struggle with my lawn in this area of sincerity of heart, right? It just needs to be better, right? And it doesn't look quite as good as the neighbor's lawn, lawn does. But I'm also cheap, so I don't want to water it too much. So I kind of want the best of both worlds, right? And there I'm out mowing my lawn, and before you know it, I'm grumbling and complaining about my lawn and my grass, and it takes heart work to say, man, Lord, thank you for giving me this grass. Thank you for this lawnmower. I just want to do this work, work unto you. And when we talk about our heart being in our work, it sounds all touchy-feely, doesn't it? it? Sounds all emotional. And sometimes it is. But more than that, I think it's obedience. It's choosing to speak to our heart, to our soul, and say, okay, it's time to be grateful. It's time to do this unto the Lord whether you feel like it or not. 
the psalmist oftentimes would speak to his soul and say, soul, praise the Lord. It's time for you to praise the Lord. And so I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Sometimes you will feel the warm fuzzies towards your work, but a lot of times you won't. And there's a choice of obedience there to say, I'm going to put my heart into my work to make it worship unto God, whether I feel like it or not. And I think that heartfelt work is so attractive to God and others. You can tell when someone's heart is in their work, no matter what they do, right? I think if uh, those of you that work at the grocery store and you're, you're checking out groceries, that is such a difficult job. You know, it, it's mundane, it's, it's repetitive. And us as a public, we're not very kind, right? So if you do that job unto the Lord and your heart is in that job, that's amazing. It's amazing. When you, when you call customer service and you get somebody that's pleasant on the other line, you're already kind of in a bad mood, right? Like, I got a call on this warranty or whatever. I, I got a call on an insurance company. Right? <laughs> Even as believers, we're pretty ticked off just having to, and then there's all those choices, you know, like, I was like, I don't even know how to get to the numbers on my phone. Like, let me see how there's still numbers on this, this thing. And finally you get a real life person. And if they're pleasant and their heart is in their, their job, you're, you're disarmed. Like, I, I expected you to be, be combative. And no matter what God has given you to do, there's a real battle there to have your heart in your work. But if your heart's in your work, it's pleasing to God and it's attractive to others. They, they want to know about Christ because they see a heartfelt sincerity in our work. In verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Not with eye service as men pleasers. There's a temptation with any work that we do where we want people to notice. If it's in the home, hey, I did the laundry, I want you to notice. Hey, I mowed the lawn, I want you to notice. I want the neighbors to notice, right? It's at, it's at work. I've been working hard, been putting in a little extra time. I want people to notice. I want the boss to notice that I, I've been, been, been working hard. And God says there's a greater motivation to say the reason that I'm working is not to please men, but to please God as a bondservant of Christ. I think we really have to fight this of being a pleaser of people. Because people's approval is fickle. Sometimes they'll approve, but other times they'll disapprove. And how do you know? What are you, what are you going to do to be able to win their, their approval? Uh, my family and I, twice a week, we try to go to a, a nonprofit kind of family-oriented uh, gym that's a ministry, and they start the workouts with with a devotional, and you work out kind of in a community type of setting, and there's a couple of trainers, and then it ends with, with prayer requests. And I've noticed, as I'm working out and, and exercising, when the trainers tend to go off into other areas of the gym, I get a little sloppy in my, in my working out. And you guys know I don't really like working out. It's like, I'm going to get a glorified body, so. But probably a good idea to, to stay, stay active and be a good steward of the body. So the, the trainer goes off into a little other part of the gym, and my push-ups start getting a little bit easier for me, right? And I don't really have good form and good technique, and then here comes the trainer, and I'm like, 
right? It's just, it's like instinctive. Like you, you don't even think about it. And you're like, wait a second, I probably should start doing these right, whether the trainer's watching or not, you know? And if someone comes into our office, do we all of a sudden start working, you know? And we, we weren't working and now we've got to, got to look busy or, or, okay, here comes the boss, so I'm going to put in a little bit extra effort. And God just wants us to be consistent, whether anybody's watching or not, because he's watching. And then what unlocks this, this passage is being a bondservant of Christ. The reason that we're consistent in our work and consistently glorifying God in a good work ethic is because we're a slave of Christ. Choosing to lay our lives down, choosing to be a bondservant. My life does not belong to me, and so I'm expressing that in my good work ethic. A couple of examples of obedient slaves in Scripture is Joseph and Jesus. Joseph, we talked about Joseph in our men's retreat this weekend. We still have some men up at the retreat center. You can be praying for them, but Joseph's story is he's sold as a slave by his brothers. He has 11 brothers, and his brothers, they they sell him to be a slave in Egypt, and he lands in Potiphar's house. And there in Potiphar's house, he could have easily had self-pity, easily said, it doesn't really matter. I'm a slave. My life is over. But he chooses to be a good worker unto the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. And the implication is Joseph is also with the Lord. God is having fellowship with Joseph, and the Bible says that Joseph chose to serve Potiphar as a slave. And God made Joseph successful. And you may feel like a slave. You're like, man, where I work is a slave house. But choose to be faithful. Choose to fellowship with the Lord. And Potiphar noticed, and the scripture says that Potiphar knew that the Lord, the one true living God, was with Joseph. Now, we think because Joseph was faithful in that setting that the rest of the story should be smooth sailing. And we may be thinking, man, if I really work hard as unto the Lord, I'm going to get a raise every year. I'm going to be appreciated. My, my work life is going to be smooth sailing. But that's not what happened to Joseph. He got falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of rape and gets thrown in prison. Went from bad to worse. And that may happen. People may not like your integrity. Your hard work may cause everybody else to look bad, and so they come after you. Joseph has another point of decision. I'm sure he felt like giving up, but he was faithful in prison. He started to look for opportunities to work faithfully in prison, and God moved moved in his life. So that's an example of an obedient servant. Write down Philippians chapter 2, because we see Jesus called a bondservant, a slave by choice. And in Philippians 2, we see this progression where it clearly states that Jesus is God. And Jesus did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself, coming in the likeness of men, God in human flesh. But he didn't stop there. He chose to serve. As he's a human here on earth, all God, all man, he doesn't rule and reign, he's a servant. He washed feet, he cared for needs. It was a simple carpenter, but it didn't stop there. God in human flesh, as a servant, was obedient to the cross. Out of obedience to the Father, went to the cross. An obedient slave, ultimately resulting in our salvation. 
So if we think we've got a bad deal, maybe at home there's some work waiting for you and you're like, man, I just, I feel like I've gotten the raw end of the deal here, the bad end of the deal here, or I I really don't like my job and I've just, I'm tired of it. Well, look at what Joseph had to deal with. Look at what Jesus had to deal with and say, I'm gonna choose to be a slave unto God and be faithful in the work that the Lord has, has given me to do. Doing the will of God from the heart. In verse seven, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. This is very practical and I think it's very helpful. It's the last attribute of our work is doing our work pleasantly. Doing our work pleasantly as unto the Lord. That's the emphasis all the way through. With goodwill doing service. A well-traveled parable tells of three workmen building a cathedral who were questioned by a visitor as to what they were doing. So three workers building a big cathedral. The first answered, I'm chipping these stones. The second answered, I'm earning wages. We would say, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. What are you doing here? I'm trying to pay the bills. The third answered, I'm building a great cathedral. The third is an example of doing work pleasantly, doing service from a heart of goodwill as unto the Lord. And Colossians 3, 23 says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Our tasks can become mechanical, can't they? We can easily get to that place where we're no longer putting our heart into the work or doing our work pleasantly to the Lord. Some of you are so good at your work, you can succeed in it without having your heart in it, without having any worship in it. You're just good at it, and that's a gift from God. You've got experience in it. You already know how to answer the questions. You already know how to do the job. Maybe the the challenge is long gone from, 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 from the job, and for one reason or the other, maybe it's a bad work environment or just fed up. Your heart has departed from, from your work, And God's encouraging you through his word and through the Holy Spirit saying, hey, put your heart back back into your work. Allow your work to be be worship unto the Lord and do it pleasantly. In verse eight, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. So if you do good, you're gonna receive good from the Lord. God says that he will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to, to reap. God sees and he rewards faithful service unto him. It's not always in this life. We know there's going to be eternal reward. And God encourages us to live for that eternal reward. But God says that he gives a reward for a cup of cold water that's given to a child in Jesus' name. Now think of the Middle East and how hot it is. No refrigeration. How would you get a cup of cold water? you'd have to put some extra work into that. It's not just a a normal cup of of water. It's cold water. And you're caring for this child, and you're saying, I don't want them just to have a normal cup of water. I want them to have a cup of cold water and and grant that to them. And God sees that, and he says, okay, I'm going to reward you for that. God sees, and he's taking notice. Your boss may not notice. You may not get rewarded from a, a work perspective. Your spouse may not notice. Your kids may not appreciate it, but God notices and he's going to reward. God says, if you're faithful in little, you're faithful in much. 
But if you're unfaithful with little, you'll be unfaithful with much. Again, going back to Joseph, he was a man that was faithful with little. And God saw that and granted more responsibility unto Joseph. Work says a lot about our character. And verse 8 encourages us that God sees and that he will reward. Verse 9, and you masters do the same to them. So now it's flipped to masters. And the application for us is if you have people that work underneath you, that you, you're, their, you're their boss, it says do the same to them. So be pleasant to them. Be consistent with them. Be respectful to them. Those, those same attributes are true for the authority as well. Serve those that work for you because you, you're serving the Lord. So by serving those that work for you, you actually are serving the Lord. Jesus served those that he was the authority over. We think of pyramids inside of businesses, and you may think of the top leadership, and they're at the top of the pyramid. From God's perspective, that's flipped. And bosses are actually on the bottom of the pyramid, and their job is to serve everyone that's underneath them. Jesus-style, others-centered service. Really care for those that work for you. Care about their marriages. Care about their kids. Pray for them. Think about how you can help them exceed. Think about ways that you can give them instruction or maybe hold them accountable so that they can continue to grow. What are some resources that could help them do their job and and to care about them as a person, not just about the job that they do. Yes, we've got to get this job done and we're going to work hard together, but also I'm going to care for you and I'm going to desire to serve you. An interesting question to ask in this section on marriage and this section on family and on work is, you know, what kind of person am I to be around? If you were to ask your, your spouse, say, what is it like to be married to me? That's a dangerous question, right? We have our perception, well, it must be pretty good to be married to me. Well, that might not be Amber's perception, right? Or that might not be your, your spouse's perception. You know, what is it like to live in my home? You know, if I were a kid growing up in this home, what, what, what would it be, be like? And then if you're a boss, what, what kind of boss am I to work for? You know? Would I even like working for me? Well, probably not, you know? What kind of employee am I? You know, do people enjoy being around me? What, is, what does my boss think for me to, to work under, underneath them? One of the instructions to masters is give up threatening. This is a terrible way to lead. If you don't get your act together, you're going to get fired. Deal with problems honestly and lovingly without threatening. Just say, hey, here's, here's the problems. You need to fix them. Okay, you didn't fix these problems. It's time for you to be let go. But don't, don't lead people with this perspective of this threatening that, that's taking place and trying to motivate people through, through threatening. Knowing that your master also is in heaven. So all authority has authority. So ultimately, we have to give accountability to God. And so if you're in a a position of authority to realize you got to give account to the Lord for that, for how you led in those people's lives. And there is no partiality with him. So God doesn't have favorites, and God doesn't want us playing favorites. An important section of scripture for us this morning Allow work to be worship. Let me ask you a question. 
in light of the text, what needs to change in my work life? In light of God's word, what needs to change in my work life? Maybe the Lord is bringing light to something of work that we, we do in the, the home front. You know, what's the attitude of the, the daily work that, that we have to do? You know, we talk about countries that we adopt as a church in missions with Mexico and Uganda, the Taramar Indians that we have prayed for. How about adopt your grocery store in Jesus' name? Because the grocery store is a lost place, right? And we have to go there regularly. Unless you get your groceries delivered by Amazon on your front door, right? So we're going to spend some time at Costco. We're going to spend some time at King Supers, whatever your grocery store is, and go in with a different mindset and say, this is work that I've got to do, but how can this work be worship? How can I be thankful to the Lord that we can go in and buy groceries? Maybe there was a time in your life where you couldn't afford groceries, and now you can afford groceries. And go, go, Lord, so, I'm so thankful that I get to come in here and buy groceries. Everybody else at the King Supers parking lot has the same goal, get food as quick as possible. Right? And to say, Lord, help me to just slow down and see what you're doing in people's lives. Maybe there's somebody here that needs encouragement. Maybe if you can, pray about, just say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set aside 20 bucks at the grocery store today. And if there's someone that I could just bless in your name, what well, that would that'd be awesome. You know? There was one time Amber was buying a bunch of school supplies, and there was a lady behind her in the 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 line, and she handed Amber a $20 bill, said, I just want to help buy school supplies. And they had a wrestling match in the Walmart. And was like, we don't need, we don't need the money. You know, like there's there's probably somebody else. We're really fine. We've it's okay, you know, and this lady wouldn't take no for an answer. And then Amber calls me on the phone and she's emotional. She's been touched by God. She's like, it really wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the 20 bucks. It was about the fact that this lady was at Walmart with a purpose to just care about somebody else, right? We don't know if she was a believer. She just came with that, that perspective. You'll probably see some of the same workers at the grocery store if you go regularly, right? And start to get to know them. Like, they, they've, got, they've got names. And say, hey, Steve, it's good to see you. How you doing? You're right? Make them remember you by, by a pleasant smile. That, that's having a different perspective on, on, on our work. You know, is, it, is there something that we do in the home that we've just got a bad attitude about? Well, it's not going away. Do you know even if you retire, work is not going away? Because this is part of God's plan, Right? So maybe you don't have to go to a place to work and get a paycheck, but your laundry's not going to do itself, right? Your groceries are not going to cook themselves. Like, we will work until we go home to be with the Lord. Say, Lord, I I want a different attitude towards the daily tasks in my life. I mean, sometimes brushing my teeth is work. You're like, Eric, we've seen your teeth. We know it's work, right? And I can have a bad attitude about brushing my teeth, right? How can that... Just be a time of, of fellowship with the Lord. And then if you have a boss and, or you are a boss, what's the Lord speaking to you in that way? May we be reminded, okay, 
this is my mission field. This is where God's planted me. Maybe you want to be somewhere else. But that's where the, the Lord has you and saying, okay, Lord, this isn't just about earning a paycheck. This is about glorifying you. First and foremost, it's about glorifying you. And then secondly, it's about who the Lord would allow us to be able to influence. So let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we just want to be honest with you. We know that you know us. And we fall short in this area, God. And there's times where we're working to to please people instead of pleasing you. There's times where we're not consistent. There's times when our heart is not in our work. And God, would you help us? Would you help us to see work differently? That we could worship you in our work. And those tasks that we desire not to be in our lives, Lord, may we just accept it. This is what you have placed in my life. This is what's before me and to be able to do it unto you. I pray for those that are in a difficult job or those that have a difficult boss where there's difficult work inside of the home that you would encourage. And as Monday morning comes, that Holy Spirit, you would lead us and empower us. Would would you allow us to really have kingdom impact in our workplaces? Or would you encourage those where maybe they don't see how you're using them, that you are are using them, that they're light in a very dark place. So Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.